Who's not racing at the end of November? Challenge Bathurst, Mount Panorama. Island Magic at Phillip Island. Historic Racing Summer Festival, Sydney Mosewell Park. And there's an AMRS round at Sandown. The last weekend of November is one of the busiest race weekends of 2020. And race fields will be trackside at all major events to supply the fuel you need to keep you on the track. Visit racefuels.com.au for more information or follow us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn for all the latest news. Okay, here we go. Here we are. This is episode 30 something of Parked Up. We're powered by Race Fuels. We've been doing this for uh, such a long time, Tony D, and uh, I forget what episode we're up to, but that doesn't matter because another week is in the can. And mate, I know you're pumped to be getting uh, a little bit closer to Christmas, but you've got a you got a pretty big, uh, big operation coming up in a couple of days. <laughs> I do, Grant. It's uh, not one that I'm really looking forward to, but perfect timing for me to get the operation done. My pesky wisdom teeth are giving me the shits, basically. Yep. So I'm going to get them pulled out. Now, uh, they, they generally sort of flare up a little bit during the year, go back down, don't give me any grief, but... Uh, just actually after Bathurst, they uh, poked through the gum and started giving me a bit more grief. So I'm like, nah, getting them out, getting them done. So I'm booked in for Wednesday. I'm going under though. I'm not going on the chair. There's no way. So Big weak. sook. Big sook. Such a weak person. <laughs> it, is the, it is the way to do it. Uh, I, I had mine out about 15 years ago and I had I had them out in the chair I had two out on one side on one week and then went back the next week and got the other two out. And like, because you're awake and it's all happening, you can't feel anything. The anesthetic is unbelievable. But the size of the pliers that they use to pull them out is, it's incredible. It's uh, its the uh, it's the most frightening thing. And the, That's why the, I don't want to see it. The dentist has to like basically jump up with his knees on your uh, shoulders as he's trying to rip these things out, and you mm. will not. They'll save the teeth for you as well, and you okay. won't, you won't believe the size of the roots that are mm. that are there. The uh, you know the tooth that you can see when you pull your lip back. That's like not even that's yeah. barely a third of it. The, the rest of it, the roots are huge. It's no wonder when when they flare up or when there's mm. issues there, it's no wonder they hurt. Well, I'm a little bit lucky, I think, because uh, my wisdom teeth aren't actually growing sideways or anything like that. So I'm hoping that the recovery is uh, going to be not too bad. They're sort of expecting three to four days um, that I'll be out of action. But, uh, yeah, well, eating ice cream and soup and all that. That sort of lovely stuff that you don't have to chew on. So basically anything that uh, little Hugh can eat, I can eat too. So <laughs> we'll have it covered. There we go. Actually, I've got uh, the, the closest I got to any sort of operation was I went and got my eyes tested. Um, as uh, most know, I wear glasses and can't really see without them. Uh, my right eye is uh, hasn't changed at all in the last uh, four years, I think, since I had a new script. But my my left eye, it's really struggling. Uh, I could I could barely do the uh, do the test. It um, I felt so handicapped as as I was doing it. My left eye has decreased 
two steps or whatever that means. But I'll tell you what it does mean. I get a, a couple of n- nice, shiny new pairs of, uh, of glasses coming up. So we have to have one lens really thick and the other one not so thick. I think so. Like one's going to be a uh, small slice of glad wrap and the other one will be, yeah, a Coke bottle. <laughs> so that'll look oh. a little bit odd. My left eye is going to, uh, yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't look at me too closely when, when can, I do get these new glasses, I'll look odd. Can you actually like see the difference between the eyes when you're looking at something? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If I need to really focus on something, I have mm. to close my left. If I close my left eye, I have a better chance of, of, of seeing what's going on. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Like you're not a race driver. You'd be like closing your left eye all the time. If I'm looking at myself, up a shot. If I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'll close my right eye <laughs> and just look at myself with my left eye. And I look, I look younger. I look thinner and yep, no, the wrinkles I can't see as much. Amazing. All right. Well, this, uh, these sorts of things okay. aren't the reason why we generally get people to tune into the Parked Up podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. And this weekend coming up is a huge weekend in Australian motorsport. There's four events happening in two states, uh, certainly the two of the states that have kind of been affected by the, the COVID-19 situation. Down here in Melbourne, we've got the famous Island Magic meeting that happens down at, at Phillip Island. And uh, they've got a huge field of of cars out there. There's also an AMRS meeting at Sandown this weekend as well. So plenty going on. Plus Bathurst, Challenge Bathurst is on. There's uh, going to be a heap of cars running around this for weekend. four days this weekend. You didn't get the invite. Oh. I did actually get the invite originally from my mate, Adrian Dietz. But then when the 12 hour got cancelled, uh, he decided just to do the test day on him on his lonesome so he get more miles instead of sharing it between myself and uh camera convo right so i could have been going up i actually got an invite to go to island magic as well to uh drive alongside young ryan howe in his audi gd3 car uh, but i don't think that class is running at the at island magic this weekend so Ah, oh, well, I'll just so, have to wait a bit longer. Another weekend, another weekend <laughs> off. You're getting very, uh, we're all getting very used to that. Um, and there's a, there's a historic meeting happening up at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park as well. And I guess all these race meetings kind of got us thinking about all of the great categories, all the great national categories that we have uh, in Australia. Of course, we love our supercars and, you know, we tend to talk a lot about them on on this podcast, whether it's the the people involved or silly seasons or uh, the news that that uh, that rolls with the championship. But um, today we've d- dedicated this podcast to all of the great categories below supercars. So I won't call them support categories. Let's call it with their feature categories. Is that a, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, that's a fair thing to say. Absolutely. So everything, everything from Carrera cup, Toyota 86 series, the, the categories that you see supporting the supercars championship, plus the emergence of the Shannon's Motor Sport Australia Championships, uh, formerly known as the Shannon's Nationals, and including what is mainly made up of the growing list of categories under the Australian Racing Group's banner. They just, Man. just this week had, had acquired it's the- getting buying up. Australian GT has been added into their suite of categories. So there's six categories and two events now that sit under the ARG banner. So lots going on in uh, in that world. So we'll go through 
all of those categories and, and um, yeah, we can talk to it a little bit uh, and let everyone know where things sort of are at for 2020 and where and and where things are going for 2021 for all of those categories, what sort of um, uh, competitor competitors are expected to turn up. You know, there was a lot of fear that, that COVID would have taken away a lot of competitors and everyone would, um, you know, save their money and pull out and not commit to as much motorsport as they'd like. But we've done our research, Tony, and we've found that um, things are looking pretty good. And that could very well be down to the fact that Australia has done awesome with controlling the virus, except for a couple of security guard incidents and some <laughs> pizza shops over in South Australia. Other than that, uh, we've, we've done ext- extremely well. So 2021 is looking pretty good. And uh, we're going to tell you why a little later on. But before we do that, let's get into the news. This is the news on Parked Up. News is brought to you by Motorsport Websites. They are the motorsport branding experts, a one-stop shop for all things motorsport branding, including team uniforms, custom race gear, bespoke website. They help you get noticed and power you to the front. Visit motorsportwebsites.com.au for more information. So quite a bit of TCR Australia news, Tony. The, uh, the supercars news train has been a bit slow. And you, my friend, were the big story. Back with Honda, back with wall racing for 2021. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to announce that. It's obviously been bubbling away for a long time, trying to get the deal locked. I mean, obviously we had the everything locked in for this year, uh, but that was no guarantee that we're going to be able to roll it over for 2021. So a uh, fair bit of work done there. Very thankful to Honda for allowing me to, to use that budget. And, uh, you know, obviously wall racing, they're raring to go. They've been sitting there all year. Those poor uh, Honda Civics have been sitting there doing bugger all. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very much looking forward to getting going next year. I feel everyone feels a little bit refreshed and eager and keen. And um, it's quite exciting to see, I think, the calendar. I think it's really sensible. And uh, I think the the lineup of drivers, we saw Mocha Caruso uh, locked in as well. Uh, John Martin t- uh, today as well. So, that's really good. So the caliber is still still there, and uh, I think it's just going to be tough as ever at the front. So Tony, to help launch your deal, you uh, displayed a, a a video of yourself driving around in a, a very old Honda Civic. Uh, it must have been early seventies. Tell us a little bit about that car. I think seventy three. Honda have a few classic cars in their collection, and that was one of them. And yeah, we we actually did that, as you know, Grant. Uh, we did that back in February, that little video, um, I suppose, to celebrate uh, this year's championship kicking off at Sydney Motorsport Park. And it was all ready to go out. And then obviously COVID hit and, and all that that happened. And uh, we had we sort of sidelined that video. And But this was another good opportunity to roll it out for next year. So that's really cool. It was, it was fun to do. Uh, we got a really good response as well. A lot of people actually thought that that's what car Honda give, gave me to drive around in as a company car. <laughs> Back in the 70s, uh, that would have been a pretty cool little company car. It was in good nick though, I must admit. Like it fired up straight away. And we didn't do a lot of driving in it, but to capture a lot of that footage, you were sitting in the back um, with a camera over my shoulder trying to capture all the different angles. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, even the garage of all the other cars. Um, so we had NSX there. We had the Type R's. Um, a whole range of their fleet, basically, and some nice, nice colors to add in there as well. Um, so if you're into Hondas, that was like the dream garage. And then obviously the TCR car to finish it off there. So uh, pretty fun. And I think everyone enjoyed enjoyed that little video put out. Yeah, so John Martin also confirmed as your teammate uh, back at Wall Racing. He'll um, carry support from Mobile One and Car Mechanica. Uh, so I guess good stability for the wall racing team and even for yourself as well. I mean, you and John worked well together last mm. year that, you know, the championship didn't fall in your favor, but the, the results were that you could see that they were there and with this continuity, with the stability then, uh, and with a, uh, a whole year of the wall racing guys having those cars, they, they should be so over-prepared for racing. It should be ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely should be. Yeah, we had, we had a good year last year for our first year in the championship and it was the same for everybody, but uh, we had some really consistent results. The beauty about having myself and John uh, as teammates is we've got different strengths in different areas and uh, we sort of complement each other in, in some ways and uh, we're both old enough and wise enough not to fight each other too hard on track, And um, but we're very competitive uh, in between sessions and trying to you know, squeeze the most out of these cars. So I enjoyed working with John last year. It was the first time I'd actually been in a team with him. He's definitely a top quality driver. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he's just a you know casual, good guy. So looking forward to that. And you know, I think Wally's still got another car there that he's trying to get another driver in. So uh, wait and see. There might be a third Honda on the track um, yet. Excellent. Great. That sounds very exciting. So not much news in the in the supercars world. We still haven't seen too much movement or or zero movement in the in the silly season front, waiting for a, a couple of uh, big fish to uh, drop. Uh, also no calendar as well, which which plays a little bit of a, a a talking point that we'll get to a little bit later on with our support category wrap that we're uh, that we're going to go through. Uh, so looking forward to to really getting into that. Supercars news, Tony. Can you can you think of anything? Can you make anything up this week? Can you uh, ruffle any feathers? <laughs> we ruffled some feathers last week when I said that there was a high profile driver going to Team Sydney, and uh, everyone just took that as Fabian going there when. We didn't mention anybody's name, so that was quite quite amusing, actually, and and awesome that people are actually listening in to our podcast. So thank <laughs> you very right. much. But uh, look, I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around. I heard some more rumors today, but nothing that, uh, that we probably haven't heard. Some getting a little bit stronger, some uh, probably changing direction a little bit as well. So um, it's all a bit sort of stagnant at the moment. I think they're like they're, there's a couple of drivers, key drivers in the field that that uh, need to find a home. Uh, and decisions to be made uh, one thing that i think you know is probably going to happen is the tickford team will only have the three cars on circuit so that becomes quite a drama for especially lee holds well we're thinking lee holdsworth um, or one of the drivers i should say so yeah it'd be interesting to see whether that's the truth or you know if they're actually going to be able to secure another license to try and run four cars okay and now tony that leads us perfectly into this week's parked up podcast feature about all the national motorsport categories that we have here in Australia underneath supercars. But, uh, you know, look, supercars has uh, 24 cars 
and a lot of chat about Tickford or Matt Stone bringing an extra wreck into the into the game. Um, you know, 24, 26, for the fan, it probably doesn't really matter too much. For From our point of view, I guess we probably want to see as many cars as possible, give as many people the opportunity to do it. But, uh, yeah, what's your take? Would you, would you like to see more of those wrecks come off the shelf? Uh, definitely, 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 definitely. I think uh, if we can have a few more cars on the grid, it's, it's good for everybody, uh, except for the income that the team get from, that get, gets divvied up between the teams or between the cars, but it just gives more opportunity for everybody within our sport, uh, whether you're a driver, engineer, team manager, mechanic in marketing or anything that involves working for a supercar team, the more cars on the grid, the better. So uh, I certainly don't want to see it drop down any further than 24. I think it starts to detract from the show that we have, um, which is so close and the racing is so good that dropping down any further might start to dilute the actual championship that we ha- that we see today. Yeah, so um, that'll all be decided reasonably soon. Now, the, the one support class that is an absolute given at uh, a lot of the, the, the regular supercars events is, is Super 2. Now, that's the place for teams to use its older equipment in uh, in that second category and, and use it as a way to... Uh, develop and find driving talent that uh, can can race for big teams in the second level or even some privateer style entries you know in very very competitive equipment now in 2020 there was only three events uh, because of the pandemic but even before the pandemic was a real thing here in Australia there was only uh, just over 10 cars that made the grid at Adelaide. So it looked like it was going to be a struggle for that class in terms of grid density. The The actual level of competitiveness and the caliber of drivers was really high, but the depth uh, wasn't quite there. So after the pandemic, they merged with uh, Super 3, which was known as the V8 Touring Car class. They run on the Kumo tyres, and they only also had uh, about 12 cars as well. So when you combine those two, you end up with a, a field in the mid-20s, and it's actually a, a decent thing. No confirmation yet about what's happening uh, about Super 2 or Super 3 or, or V8 Touring Cars just yet, but as we understand that um, it looks like it's going to roll on again as a combined class. What what actually makes up that is is yet to be seen, like how, how they run, what tyres they all run on, calendars and, and all those sorts of things. But it does sound like the the what effectively will be the Super 2 class uh, with a sub Super 3 class will, will be a pretty healthy field. So that's a uh, that's a, that's an awesome thing. Tony, you're a a protege of that of the super two you won the championship in 2007 it's so important for drivers to have the opportunity to have a place where they can learn their craft but also it's important for the teams to have a place to uh, move on some of its gear and and um, continue the supercar circle of life yeah it is very important because a supercar is built for one category really you know it's not like it's a world formula and you can sell cars all across the world. So they needed to develop this championship uh, and it's worked really well because we've seen a lot of Super 2 champions graduate into supercars and become champions as well. So it's definitely there for a reason. And we've seen some amazing drivers 
um, engineers, team managers. It, it, it doesn't just stop at the, at the drivers. So it's a valuable category. It's a bloody shame though, Grant, that we're getting 10 cars to an event um, and we're having to combine it with Super 3. I understand the reasons behind it, but it is a shame and hopefully that's a temporary thing. Hopefully uh, when things settle down again, uh, we have a really strong Super 2 and Super 3 championship. The one thing that goes against the championship a little bit at the moment is you know, it costs probably five, six, seven hundred thousand to do Super Two for the year, and a lot of main series teams are looking for drivers to help pay the bills. And you can probably find yourself a seat at uh, uh, a team that's uh, towards the tail end and and do a lot more racing for that that amount of money. So it's a bit of a challenge at the moment, and that's probably why I think we're seeing that Super Two is struggling because of that. And and you know, going into next year, you got Will Brown, potentially Brody Kostecki. Thomas Randall, if he can find himself a seat, you got the guys that dominated this year uh, moving on to bigger and better things. So it will be, it will be interesting to see who the who the next sort of generation is. Now, beyond supercars, there are a myriad of other categories that populate uh, supercars events and the Shannon's Motor Motorsport Australia Championships. But the one that stands out the absolute most, and and you and I agree on this is Carrera Cup and, and Porsche Motorsport Australia's execution of its racing program in Australia and the way they go about it. They, they've um, been very, very consistent over the years with big fields. They have an unbelievable support for it with, um, you know, great uh, on track, at track support, technical support, the teams are very well looked after. It's a, uh, the customers absolutely get really looked after. It's one of the leading championships, though, Tony, that you've never raced in. Yeah, I'd love to race in it. Uh, no doubt about that. I, I'd really love to have a crack in those cars. They're, they're awesome pieces of equipment. Um, they're fast. As you just said, the championship presents itself so professionally. Um, from a corporate point of view, for sponsors to get involved, the driving quality is really high and they share, they have the pro-am as well. So the am drivers um, mixed in with the pros that sometimes um, upset some of the pros. Um, so it's really interesting racing. And from a team's point of view, I think those cars, because you can purchase them all around the world and you can sell them all around the world. So if you buy a, a cup car, you're probably never going to lose money on it or you never struggle to get rid of it. So I wouldn't say they're a good investment, Grant, because no, a race car is probably never a good investment. But just to, you know, I suppose clarify what I was talking about before with supercars, how they're built for one category. Um, Porsche is very different. So amazing category. Um, there's still time for me, Grant, to get a seat in, in a cup car. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> never rule it out. And they do some two-driver events from time to time. You'll, you'll find yourself the chance to uh, slot in there. And, of course, it's not just that one Carrera Cup class as well. They've got Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge, which was a formerly GD3 Cup Challenge uh, up until up until this year. So, and that's their, basically their Super 2, where their, uh, their older cars c- get moved down, remain relevant. They can still race in Australia. Most of the teams that actually compete in the, the Sprint Challenge also compete in Carrera Cup. They know the equipment. You know, the, the Sonic Motor Racing, McElroy's, uh, you know, they all have, they, they have cars in both classes. So it's an extremely well-proven tool. Um, and uh, I, I guess uh, I've always really loved the category ever since it came to Australia back in 2003. I've always been a huge fan of it. We've seen 
Uh, young drivers come through and start their tin top careers uh, inside Carrera Cup before moving up to supercars. And you, you've only got to look at the likes of David Reynolds. He did three years of Carrera Cup before uh, stepping up into what's been a long uh, supercars career at the moment. It's uh, It's got its pathways both locally and uh, internationally. I spoke to Troy Bundy, who's the head of their motorsport program at Porsche Cars Australia, to find out a little bit more about how he thinks Carrera Cup and the Porsche Michelin Sprint sit for the end of this year and for next year. And it's great to welcome Troy Bundy onto the Parked Up podcast. Troy is the head of motorsport for Porsche Cars Australia. Troy, thanks for joining us. Welcome, mate. Thank you. Great to be here. Now, Troy, we've we've endured a pretty difficult 2020 and Carrera Cup only got to see a couple of events. And who would have thought that uh, after your last event in March, the, your next event would be in December 2020 has been an absolute roller coaster. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think it's been a roller coaster for everyone, just the general community, to be honest with you. So um, we had we certainly had an issue. We had a great start in Adelaide. We had really good uh, really good grids, had some really great racing. And I went into the Grand Prix um, you know, pretty excited for that event because that's a marquee event for, for Porsche. And, and we put on a great race on Thursday. We had an endurance race on Thursday. Um, the racing was unbelievable. Um, and, of course, um, the obvious happened and then... Um, Friday, Thursday night, we got a phone call saying that um, there might be an issue with the event, and then uh, we turned up to the track on the Friday morning, first thing, and found out, like everyone else did, that the event wasn't going ahead, which is which is obviously a big shock to everyone. And at the time, we were all sort of rallied behind each other and support each other and said, right, we'll be back, don't worry about it. Um, certainly didn't think um, coming into December that we wouldn't we'd be coming into December and still haven't run an event up until now, so that wasn't the plan at all. Yeah, so we've got the Porsche Cup um, at the Sandown event in December, which we're really looking forward to. So that basically is a sort of one-off um, non-championship event where we're going to have both Carrera Cup and um, Sprint Challenge racing together at the same time, so all cars on track together. So, And really that event is, is it's all about just getting everyone back together, getting them back in their cars and having some fun together after a really challenging year for everyone. I think it's important that we thought it was important to get back together get racing, get everyone experiencing the cars again and get ready for 2021. So we're really looking forward to that. Plus, on top of that, we also have a range of activations, which um, Porsche Cars Australia will bring to the table as well, which we can't announce yet. But um, So there'll be a bit of um, additional activity, which will be quite exciting for people to look at as well. Amazing. Great. We uh, certainly can't wait to get back and uh, see some cars on track. We were spoiled with the supercars, but we've certainly missed all of our other categories as well. What What's the buy-in been like from competitors keen to come? How many cars do you expect that we'll see at Sandia? Yeah, it's hard to tell at this stage because um, it depends on restrictions and travel restrictions and those sort of things. But uh, we're anticipating a good field of probably the high 20s, mid to high 20s um, between both categories. And and that would traditionally be higher between two categories, but obviously because a lot of people um, won't travel because of the circumstances, um, but to have a, a good field of 25 cars is still a really strong field, but um, it was important for us to just get everyone racing again. And, and the buy-in, everyone's really excited to go racing again. So throughout the whole year, everyone, we haven't lost anyone. Everyone's still passionate about going racing, particularly in, our, in, in with Porsche, but um, so that everyone's just ready to go racing again and certainly ready for next year as well. 
And, and what about for next year as well? Like you say there that everyone's keen to get back out and uh, keen, keen to go racing. Is, is, do, you, do you feel that the health pandemic that we've had and that we're coming out on the shiny side of, do you, do you feel there, there'll be a little bit of attrition because of that? Or, um, or can you basically hopefully reset from, from where you were in 2020? Yeah, I think for us, it's more of a reset than anything else, that, and which is quite a surprise, actually, because we thought after everything that's happened, and obviously people have gone through some really tough times financially as well, um, and, and like everyone knows, motorsport isn't cheap to do, um, but we just haven't found that at all. We found that all our customers just have been sitting there waiting to go racing again and, and chopping at the bit, and if, if anything, actually, the year off has actually made them more passionate and excited about going racing again so we're look, actually looking at really strong fields across both categories both career cup and sprint challenge will have really strong fields and that's the fourth year of our program so as you know um we get a new model and it generally lasts for three to four years and and um and the gen 2 911 gen 2 we're currently running at the moment will have its last year next year and traditionally that's normally our most challenging um, year of the program, but initial indications suggest that's not the case at all. That we're going to have a good twenty-plus strong field on the grid for both categories, which is which is great, and a combination between pro-ams and and pros and juniors, um, all looking to come back, which is great. Yeah, awesome. When do you expect that we'll see the new generation Carrera Cup car first first land in Australia? Yeah, so that that'll be. Um, launch globally um, shortly. Um, so the 900 Cup Cup will be racing in Super Cup um, in a couple of markets next year. So so that will be um, globally announced or, or launched shortly, which is great. So, because everyone, all of our customers are really excited to see that car. I've, um, I've seen it and it's like, it is amazing. So I can't wait for everyone else to see it as well. Um, for us, we've already ordered um, what we call the car and, and that's hopefully coming out around February February time. So the initial thoughts are that we potentially might um, have that car on display and launch the car to our customers at the Australian Grand Prix in March, hopefully, if everything goes right. Excellent. So Tony and I wanted to spend a lot of time talking in today's episode about all of the great race categories that we have that kind of sit below supercars. And the reason why we've taken a little bit of extra time to talk to talk to you at length about Porsche and its uh, and its motorsport activities in Australia is because you guys do it so so very well it's uh, obviously very popular cars are really cool but it's all of the other bits behind the scenes that uh, maybe some of the fans don't get to see with um, amazing team hospitality and uh, sponsor relations and 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 yeah lots and lots of activity Porsche just has that point of difference and and is that what keeps bringing customers back uh, and, and, you know, you can retain big fields and similar names and similar faces year on year? Yeah, I think it, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a combination of all those things put together. And, um, you know, there's no doubt that Porsche invests in the program heavily. So that obviously helps when the brand is very committed to motorsport globally, but also very committed to um, motorsport in Australia. Um, you know, we have a whole range of programs which, you know, we've got a customer centric program. So I think everything we do is about the customer and, you know, whether you're a pro driver, we develop programs for the, for a pro driver to make sure they can develop and grow and, and hope obviously um, often be co-drivers in supercars. Um, we've got a really, which is something I'm very proud of, um, a really well-developed junior program and we're very successful at developing young talent 
um, through our program in Australia and either end up in supercars as a, as a supercars driver or the last couple of years we've been really successful in developing two young drivers in Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans um, who have gone through the Porsche pyramid and now um, essentially, you know, Porsche junior drivers and now Matt's an official factory driver as well, which is great. So um, in addition to that too, we've also got some key stakeholders like the teams as well. So um, the teams are crucial to us as well. So I think I think the best way to put it is that, you know, Porsche invest in the program um, heavily. We, we are absolutely um, customer focused. So it doesn't matter what your level of driving or what you're trying to get out of it. Um, we've got a program developed around that. So we, we care about delivering outcomes for our customers. But in addition to that, I think um, we're just one really big family. And I think the COVID situation has really shown that, that um, you know, it really made us, COVID made us really much more close between everyone. So there was no, there was no negative issues. There was no people upset. We all just rallied behind each other, supported each other. So whether you're a driver, a customer, a category like us or a team, we all supported each other. And I think that's what's most pleasing with us is we just are one big family. Like we, we, we're one big family that like to go racing in, in really cool cars. And obviously I'm biased. I think Porsches are the coolest cars. And, um, and I think we offer a really great product and we're just consistent with that product. Well, Troy, thank you so much for your time on the Parked Up podcast. We can't wait to see the great Porsches back out on track and uh, and might even see yourself at a uh, at a racetrack as well. It's been a long time since we've seen your face. Yeah, really looking forward to it, mate. And um, yeah, swing by and we'll shout your copy. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. And we thank Troy for his time. Great to see that the Carrera Cup cars and the uh, Porsche Michelin Sprint cars will be at Sandown in a couple of weeks' time and uh, get their competitors back out on track before a full 2021 season. Tony, let's stick with sports cars, and it's the Australian GT Championship that just in the last week has had a, uh, a, a bit of a refresh. It's going to be known as the GT World Challenge Australia, joining other GT World Challenge uh, Championships around the world, including Asia, America, and Europe, it's all run by the SRO Motorsports Group that operates overseas and they're in conjunction with the Australian Racing Group have taken it under their wings to help uh, administer it here in Australia and bring the Australian GT Championship back to the fore. It was only a couple of years ago that GT class here in Australia was really singing along very, very nicely and uh, you know they've got a they've got their 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 own great race they've got the Bathurst 12 hour that's the halo piece for for their category that that class was going was absolutely flying in about 2015 16 and uh, it yeah it it ended uh, at the end of last year i think with only 10 cars doing a 3 hour race around the bend and it was in a pretty sad state but it looks like gt racing in australia is back it's a class that you've done a lot in are you excited i am absolutely pumped because i i've been involved with it in 2015 in 2016 2017 when it was absolutely pumping lucky enough to win the championship with max twig in the mercedes it's scott taylor motorsport but yeah, the last probably two years, it's just the field has gotten very, very thin. And it is sad to see because we've got some amazing cars sitting in garages not being used. And it's a real shame because they are literally the best cars to drive in Australia. They are so good to drive. They're fast. You know, they've got a lot of aero, big tires. They sound good. 
the category can be so good and we've seen it be amazing uh, in previous years, but for whatever reason, competitors have lost a bit of confidence in it and this change needed to happen, uh, needed to give the competitors some confidence that the category is actually going in the right direction, you know, to get their cars back out of the garage and to go racing again, their expensive cars uh, to race. And uh, these gentlemen drivers that do own a lot of these cars, they want to have um, these key events all around the country, uh, including the Bathurst 12 hour. And they don't want to just go to be a support category to supercars and do two 10 lap races, you know, on their weekend off when they're driving their pride and joy. So uh, I think it's a fantastic move to get the SRO involved. And I think the category now will give those competitors confidence to get their cars back out of the garage and go racing again. Well, it is very exciting. And during that uh, that really good period, they had a man called Ken Collier, who was the category manager and helped stitch it all together and um, was really well respected amongst the group. And when there was some ownership change, uh, Ken wasn't included in that and um, now works for the Australian Racing Group who have taken over uh, the GT class and he will be the category manager again uh, for the GT World Challenge Australia. So I spoke to Ken, who is confident already in these early stages that there'll be over 25 cars for the first round in 2021. Yeah, the reaction for the new GT World Challenge Australia powered by AWS has just been Mind-blowing, to be honest, mate. It's a situation where since Motorsport Australia released the news of the GT Racing in Australia being awarded to our joint venture with SRO and then subsequently backing that up with our media announcement of the GT World Challenge Australia uh, and our alignment with uh, all the other GT World Challenge series that run through the SRO network overseas. Now, the customers have just really been hammering the phone, hammering the emails, and, and they're very, very positive about it. 2021 is going to be a difficult year, of course, for many people because they're rebuilding. But uh, um, I, I think that it's all, it's all going to be very good if we focus on you know, the, the five to six sprint rounds and, and a single endurance towards the end of the year. I think that the customers will be more than happy with that and the teams will be happy with that, obviously. So from there... We, in the heyday of Australian GT racing, back a few years ago, there was probably 30-odd, 35 cars that came in and out of the races throughout a year. And I am hoping that we will be averaging around about 25 to 28 cars on the grid at every round. There will, of course, be a mix of current GT3 spec cars and the older GT3 spec cars, and also, of course, there's, uh, there's the GT4 cars that are in Australia already and those um, teams are very passionate about GT4 racing. So we'll accommodate all of those on the one grid uh, with different podiums, of course, um, mixed throughout and different levels of uh, racing potentially within it, which is uh, the Pro-Am or, or just straight AM classes. And we thank Ken for his time. Let's move on from uh, those beautiful, pure race cars, uh, sports cars, to super utes which are not pure race cars they weren't designed to burn around racetracks but they were uh they they definitely come in handy uh uh, for your for your trades and for your um uh lugging uh lugging your tools around the countryside um earning a living but as we saw back in the early noughties back in the 2000s the 
V8 Utes category was one of the most popular forms of motorsport that we had here in Australia. It was, uh, it, it was the class that got the fans right onto the edge of the, of the fence to, to watch. You know, there was some great characters involved. The racing was always close. Lots of sideways action, you know, typical of a, um, a utility trying to be raced around. But look, we don't have, uh, you know, those Ford Falcon style utes anymore or the, the, the Holden utes. So um, when, when that went, uh, went to the wayside, and I think most of the cars were sold over to New Zealand, uh, the new super utes category was, uh, was, was born a few years ago. It didn't start very well. Uh, a lot of unreliability problems with the cars and some other bits and pieces. It was a really fraught beginning to that style of racing. But the ownership has now shifted from uh, supercars to the, the team owners who invested in a, in a, in a lot of the equipment uh, and a heap of new updates to the, to the cars to make them uh, faster, uh, sound better, uh, and um, yeah, look, hopefully bring more cars to the track. There's actually quite a few of these utes that, that are hanging around, but the, the big key change is that I've got one of those crate uh, LS3 uh, motors, big V8, sounds great. We uh, just saw anyone who was hanging on the internet long enough last week saw David Cedars uh, driving one of his team's uh, cars around Sydney Motorsport Park. They sound great. Um, they're going to get the fans back watching ute racing here in Australia. I spoke to Luke Cedars. He's one of the key leaders within the super ute class. And he, uh, he explained a little bit about how this class is going to uh, move forward in 2021. We're, we're going the LS3 route with putting V8s in them and, and a few other bits and pieces that we're trying to develop along the way. We've, we've organised our CMA with CAMS and that's all in the process. We're, we're talking to supercars about a calendar for next year, which is all sound quite positive. And we've got a huge amount of interest as a competitor base to race with us next year. And the fact that they're starting to be cool because they, they uh, sound good, they breathe fire, they go fast, and they make with being able to to sell the product to sponsors out there. So there's a lot of interest in racing these things next year. So uh, I can I can comfortably see 15 cars at the first round and potentially more from there because, you know, there's a good two or three new car builds already spoken about now and and, and all, all the old car, cars that are around are pretty much getting spoken for fairly quickly at the moment. Great to hear from Luke there. Now it's going to cost about twenty four to twenty five thousand dollars to upgrade these cars to the V eight motor and all the running gear and everything that goes with it. I reckon that's a pretty good investment. If we can get fifteen cars on grid, all sounding amazing, have a big V eight in them, roaring down the straight at a reasonable speed, not uh, tiptoeing down there like they were. You know, you might actually get the crowd involved and uh, get excited for what these utes can be because I think that can be quite cool. We see some pictures of sort of muscle utes over in the US, and that's what we're trying to create here. But we haven't quite got the sound right. Uh, they're not very fast, really. And 
unfortunately it just hasn't uh, hit the target audience. So, but I reckon the V8 definitely got legs. And for $24,000 to do the upgrade, I think you'll find a lot of teams can afford that and uh, they will get it done. Because if you've already got a car and you've already got all the equipment to run one of these cars, then it's pretty small investment to get the car upgraded and to actually do some racing. Yeah, a full feed of those will definitely get uh, get some people excited. When I when I spoke to Luke, he'd also said that when that car went out at Sydney Motorsport Park for that video that you might have seen on uh, some of the social media channels, uh, he said all of the people at Sydney Motorsport Park ran up to the top of the pit building to watch and listen listen to it go around. Yeah. Nothing like a big V8. So I think if they uh, if they can get the tech right inside those cars it's a bit of a sleeping horse in the um in the support category ranks coming for the next few years um now one support class that has been a major uh, stalwart in uh, in recent times is the toyota 86 racing series tony i don't think you've ever done any racing in that class you've done some commentary though which <laughs> i think our good friend Bryony brought that up went really a, well a few episodes ago I've actually driven one though. I've done a little bit of testing in one. My good friend, Tim Brooke, he's like a, I don't know, 12 time champion of the category. <laughs> I think he's only one, but uh, he should be about that. So I know a little bit about them and I do follow them regularly. I mean, that's a category that year on year has awesome racing, such close racing. I think the cars are really evenly matched. And I think Toyota do a very good job of supporting the category and supporting the competitors that want to go racing in that category. So we've also seen quite a few drivers progress. I mean, one of the probably the most recent is Brock Feeney. Uh, Aaron Seaton did a lot of uh, Toyota 86 as well. Will, Will Brown, Brown yep. as well. So, you know, you don't have to just jump straight into a supercar to suddenly be recognized by these supercar teams. And I think because the category is so evenly matched and teams up and down pit lane can recognize that and respect it, if you can win in that category, then you're doing a bloody good job. So um, it's a category that I I do rate very highly. Yep, the old one make racing. Oh, I was watching some video recently of the Suzuki GTI Cup that was run in uh, 1995 um, with uh, Warren Luff running around the front. Damien White was in there. Uh, a, a couple of other Andre Pavetjevic, Adam Clark, a couple of really really good steers from back in the day. Geez, they produced some some great racing and really that's what the the toyota 86 stuff is is all about it's uh, one make everyone has the the same deal they should have the same deal and look the uh, as you say the number of competitors involved speak volumes and and already they're predicting uh mid 30s uh in terms of its grid density and the great thing is that toyota has confirmed that it's backing it until the end of 2022 so competitors know that if they get into it or they buy a car they they can stay in it for a couple of years and and know the class is going to be strong one thing that's really good about that category is it offers the competitors really good prize money as well for actually winning i think you get 50 grand when you win the championship and i'm not sure what you get for second and third but it's just like a little bit of incentive for the competitors the money back that they've invested during the year you know that definitely keeps people coming back and trying to win that championship Okay, let's go from the Toyotas, which are a little slow and definitely sort of usually stay on all four wheels to stadium trucks, which are big, loud, proud, and uh, quite often don't have four wheels 
on the track, but that's actually what they're designed to do. They're designed to uh, go jumping and bowling over uh, big humps. So they are uh, easily the the category that uh, you know gets the gets the fans really excited. So they're they're, they're going to confirm a seven round championship in twenty twenty one. They're going to start in New Zealand. The first time they've ever been to New Zealand, they'll go to Tasmania. I don't think they've been down to Simmons Plains before. They'll be Perth, Townsville, Darwin, Sydney Motorsport Park, and finish up on the Gold Coast. They're expecting ten to twelve trucks wherever they go, and that's really all they need. You know, they don't need a big thirty-car field of those things. It would it would give the uh, series organisers way too much headache. Imagine the amount of uh, wrecks that they'd have if they had any more <laughs> than than what they've got. Uh, what, what's your take on stadium truck racing? I don't really understand it, Jump <laughs> but, trucks. It but it is very un, uh, entertaining. That is for sure. And uh, I remember like the Gold Coast, when you see them flying down the straight and then obviously take the, the jump and suddenly they're like at corporate level, you know, like um, two stories up sort of thing. Like it, they're so impressive the way they, they jump and they land. And it, it's just, it's for the fans, you know, and I think it's awesome racing. They sound amazing. You know, if V8 Utes could be anything like that, then they're going to be on a winner. But it's just full of entertainment. you got some drivers in there like Paul Morris who really doesn't care if he wrecks the car or rubs up against somebody. So, yeah, generally you see some, you know, fun battles, but no one really taking it uh, too seriously or, or racing for sheep stations. So I think that's the beauty of the category. Yeah, it's not really a career progressing category, is it? Which I always <laughs> thought was weird that Matthew Brabham would uh, drive in it. Like uh, in the same year that he did the Indy 500, he was racing stadium trucks in America. It, um, it kind of didn't make much sense to me, but. Um, Obviously got an opportunity there to race and uh, he's the type that if he can get a, a seat in something, he will. So that, uh, that class is run by Nathan Kayser who uh, also uh, with Paul Morris came up with the concept of the Aussie tin tops, which kept us uh, pretty entertained during the uh, ugly 2020 season that we've, that we're coming to a conclusion of the tin to Aussie tin tops was basically a run what you brung kind of class. You would have seen it during uh, the TV broadcasts throughout the year. And it had GT cars in there. It had Porsche Carrera cup cars. It had uh, Trans Am, TA2 cars it had uh, a wide variety of of different things now I guess I just assumed that um, Aussie tin tops was a you know a one-off because it was just giving people the opportunity to race their cars when their normal championship wasn't able to go ahead during the the health pandemic that we're that we're going through Uh, but as you'll find out right now with uh, my chat with Nathan, he says that it might not be dead. It might still be here in 2021. We've got a database of 150 car owners that want to go racing, um, but they don't want to lock themselves into doing a full series for the whole year. So, you know, there's certainly a need for it. There's certainly a want for it. Um, And I think that we could pull something together really well that we would, you know, potentially see four or five, six rounds across the year. There's still a lot of owners of racing cars that have very good bits of machinery that don't race in categories because they don't want to have to lock themselves in to a series. All they want to do is, is do three or four rounds in different locations and not 
have to worry about the rest of it. And we thank Nathan for his time and we'll see if the Aussie Tin Tops has a future beyond the 2020 season. So before we get into the uh, long, long list of uh, Australian racing group categories, uh, the Aussie racing cars is one class that we've seen hanging around Australian tracks for a long time now, over 20, over 20 years. It was first introduced by Phil Ward and his, that, that category has gone through a couple of different owners over the years, always uh, brings great racing. And Tony, you competed in an Aussie racing cars race of all places at Mount Panorama. Yeah, I did actually. Uh, I did a couple of races in Aussie race cars. I, I did one at Sydney Motorsport Park, my first one, and I finished second the first time I ever drove one. And I thought, geez, this ain't too bad. I can, I can handle this. And then I think about a year later, I did this race at Bathurst and I went so bad that I never raced it again. Um, I started out really well. I think I was second in practice one. As the weekend went on, I got slower and slower and slower until the second last race where the thing just blew up. So I think there was something wrong with it because I was getting past in a straight line like I was standing still. Uh, But funny story, Grant, Mm -hmm. on the Saturday morning, I was with a friend of mine, Matthew Adams. He'd driven with me to Bathurst and we went and had breakfast at McDonald's because we thought the race didn't start till nine o'clock. So anyway, we have our breakfast, we're cruising, you know, having a coffee, whatever. And we decided to drive into the circuit and I'm, I look up at the big leaderboard, you know, the Bathurst leaderboard that's mm-hmm. got, it's massive. You can't miss it. And I'm like, geez, those numbers look familiar. They look really familiar. And then from the car park, you can sort of see the cars coming down uh, Conrod. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like the categories out there on their warm-up lap. Oh, no. I'm literally about to miss this race. So I've sprinted from the car park into the garage, chucked on my um, suit, helmet. I just left my normal runners on, jumped in the car, got out there, and joined the tail of the field as they exited turn one. So I went to the back of the grid, but I literally almost had a heart attack running that hard up over the front straight, trying to get into the car and time. When I ran into the garage, all the mechanics were looking at me like, where have you been, honestly? And I just got the time wrong. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Note to young kids, don't do as Uncle Tony does. No, and that, that's that's actually um, something that I dream about regularly, not being able to get my race gear on quick enough and I missed the start of the race. And I did it. I did it. Like, it was uh, it was so funny at the time. My dad was absolutely spewing with me. Like, he was imagine. so angry with me. And I'm like, Dad, we're just having a bit of fun this weekend. Don't worry. Well, I hope the coffee was worth it. All right, let's move on to uh, TCR Australia a category obviously tony that you have recently reaffirmed that you will compete in again and uh, i'm sure aiming to go one better finished second last year behind will brown and uh moving into uh the second season it should be the third season but uh god damn it 2020 now i spoke to the category manager liam kirkpatrick uh who uh, not only manages tcr australia he also manages the National Trans Am Series, and he manages Super 3. So he's, he's a pretty busy boy. 
but he's expecting um, about 18 to 20 cars for the first round of TCR Australia at Simmons Plains Raceway, which is a, a, a pretty decent field. And, and as we've spoken about, the quality of the drivers at the front of that field is going to be really, really strong. Uh, and, and there's, there's I think, about 30-odd cars in the Australasian area, so Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and, and once um, some travel bubbles open up here in Australia, we might be able to get a few of those New Zealand cars over as well. So... The expectation is by the by the time we get to the end of the season, we'll be well into the twenties uh, round by round. So uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty good sized field to be racing against. Yeah, I mean uh, that would be amazing if we get twenty plus cars on the grid. You know, TCR is a really affordable category, and I think for young drivers trying to prove themselves, um, I think it's a very good place to be. As you mentioned. There's some really good uh, drivers in there, uh, guys with experience. We'll probably have Garth Tander in there, James Moffat, Caruso. Um, I'm not sure whether Will Brown will come back. So there's a heap of guys there with a heap of experience that young guys can benchmark themselves against. So that's why I think it, it can be a really good feeder category um, for these guys to showcase what they can do. And, you know, that, that would be amazing if we could have 20-plus cars on the grid. There's no doubt about it. And we did see that at the end of last year uh, the grid was getting quite large like every every category we had these high hopes and and let's hope they come to fruition because um there's a lot of drivers out there a lot of cars it's just whether we can find the budget to go racing so uh supporting the uh tcr australia or or possibly even leading the tcr australia uh series at shannon's motorsport australia events or, or arg events will be s5000 brand new category we've only seen two proper uh races at sandown and the bend uh towards the end of 2019 missed all of 2020 because of covid but uh, it looks like there'll be about 12 to 14 cars front up for the very first championship points race which will be at simmons plains uh, on Australia Day in January, I, I know that, uh, that there's going to be a couple of very, very good uh, drivers suit up for that. Oh, um, really? Can now, you one give of us the, an exclusive well, or what? Well, one of them for sure is James Golding. He'll be oh. he'll be competing. You know, he's done. Uh, I think every uh, uh, S five thousand race that we've seen so far. Uh, and uh, has won a couple of those races as well. Extremely good benchmark for other young drivers to uh, to come and compete against. Some really good teams, open with teams that you know that only do open wheel racing. Uh, the team BRMs, uh, MTech Motorsport, uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport will enter a few cars as well. F- for me, it's the it's the category that I think everyone is really looking forward to, and it was such a shame that 2020 was what it was because, I guess, from the inside, it kind of feels like some of that great momentum was stopped. But uh, you know, once these cars get back out on track, it's um, yeah, it's going to be a thing to behold. Yeah, they're awesome cars to drive. I, I remember fondly when the cars drove down the straight at Sandown, roared down the straight, everybody like ran out to pit lane to have a look like they 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 shake the ground just like what a former 5000 would have used used to have done so uh, exciting cars to drive exciting cars to watch 
you know, we saw some amazing drivers come and drive these cars. Uh, Rubens Barrichello, one of them, who who actually listened to a podcast uh, that he was on, and he mentioned he'd just been to Australia and raced s five thousand, and he was like talking it up big time. And and this was a Formula One podcast, so to get someone like that to endorse the product is is a really big tick. So. You know, I think as far as formula cars go, they're, they're not a good handling car. You know, they're rough around the edges. They move around. They don't have enough aero, but that's what makes the category so entertaining, um, so difficult as a driver or for a driver, I should say. So it's got a real uniqueness around it. And uh, I think if we can get some you know good drivers in there and uh, sort of showcase what the cars can do, then it can be a really exciting category. But um yeah, it de- definitely felt like it, it barely started before it ended, but uh, obviously no one's fault there. And I think uh, to see those cars roll out at Simmons Plains is going to be quite a sight. Another category that will be uh, restarting will be the Touring Car Masters. It's supported by Gulf Western Oil. Now, they're expecting about 20 cars for the first round, plus they might have some Tassie-based cars that operate under the sort of Target Tasmania GT category regulations that they'll that they'll be able to slide in as well. So that'd be a great way to start the Touring Car Masters class with um, you know in excess of twenty cars competing uh, at Simmons Plains. And the best thing about that class for me, the best thing about that class for anyone is that it's cars that we're all familiar with from the seventies and now eighties. And it's drivers you, that we all know as well. Be, you might be familiar with some of those cars, mate, but uh, they're a little bit before my time. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I love the category. You know, we've got some amazing drivers in there. You know, Johnny Bow, Jimmy Richards, uh, you know, Stephen Johnson now, and a massive variety of cars. So you've got cars that have different strengths and some go fast and straight, some break a bit better, some corner a little bit better. And I think unlike other categories where they have like a BOP, where they try and, restrict a lot of that they do have a little bit of that with weight but you're still going to have the strengths of what that car characteristic is so some circuits the Tiranas are unbeatable and then others you got mustang salads down the road so I, I enjoy watching it they look like hard cars to drive they sound good they move around um, and they always have a really good field like every race you go to the field is absolutely chockers so going into 2021 I think that will be a really popular category because they've done no racing this year. Another class that uh, is set to launch onto the national stage really for the first time in 2021 is the National Trans Am Series. I guess it's uh, we've had uh, these TA2-based cars here in Australia for, for quite some time with the TA2 Muscle Car Series operating in a sort of a more state-based competition. Uh, lots and lots of competitors up uh, in the northern states, particularly in Queensland. But now it's it's coming into a, a full-blown national national series with six events. They've got a spot on the Bathurst International. They're kicking off down at Simmons Plains. Liam Kirkpatrick had said that uh, about 20-ish cars are expected for the first round. And that 20-ish number really rings true for basically all these categories that we talk about so you know there's not many classes in australian motorsport not not many national classes that are going to have under 20 cars per race and i think that is that is really really strong 
and uh, and and Trans Am is no different as well. They've got some great, uh, really recognisable car brands. It's Ford Mustang, it's Chevrolet Camaro, it's Dodge Challenger. These are really iconic American muscle cars. They're coming to Australia in a uh, in a pretty big way at a pretty cost effective level as well. Yeah, that's the beauty of this this category is how cost effective it is. Um, and again, there's a common common trend here. Grant V8 sounds good, muscle car, uh, attracts the crowd, exciting racing, and that's what TA2 is. So um, I could definitely believe there's going to be 20 plus cars on the grid. We've got amazing drivers in there as well. And I reckon uh, 2021 is going to be a big year for that category. Now, the uh, I guess the other class that we uh, there's a couple of other national based classes that we uh, we should also touch on. Production cars has been a long time uh, category in Australian motorsport and really motorsport all, all around the world. Uh, the production cars will compete some sprint races on the Shannon's Motorsport Australia championships bill and they'll also do some of their own endurance racing under double uh, asa sanctioning but they do have that halo event they have the Bathurst six hour you've done a lot of production car stuff uh most recently with with lotus you did it really successfully as well i don't think the the six hour was something that you never got to to do but um production cars when it's when it's ticking along well it's uh, it's very well supported it's generally a very strong category with a lot of support from competitors it's not a very expensive category um there's lots of different classes so you know depending on what car you own or what car you've built there's going to be a category that you can race against another car of similar nature so um yeah i did uh, one year there in the lotus with grant daniel that was a a lot of fun um the lotus was way too quick for anything else to be honest so they outlawed it the following year (laughs) (laughs) but it was uh it it was really good racing uh ryan simpson was in there as well with in another lotus and we duked it out all year but uh yeah look generally the bathurst six hour is an event that attracts a huge field um, and I'd definitely love to do it if there was the opportunity. So it, it doesn't have the prestige of the Bathurst 12 hour in GT or the Bathurst 1000, but it's that sort of next best thing. If you want to do a hell of a lot of laps around Bathurst, um, get yourself a production car and get out there. The other category that, or categories that you'll see, uh, on predominantly the Shannon's motorsport Australia championships is the prototypes of radicals, uh, and the, Yet to be seen LMP3 class. So there's a couple of those cars now in the country. So the prototypes, uh, have you had much to do with prototypes and radicals, TD? I've been the DSO for radical uh, quite a few times and that keeps me busy, I can tell you. Do those they guys get, like they to crash. Oh, right. No, no, they like to crash. So the prototypes are, uh, most of those cars are all South Australian based, run by Jam Motorsport who are out at the bend and the radicals, under the guidance of the great man, Carl Reindler. They've got close to 20 of those and, and they're predominantly New South Wales based. Uh, and LMP3 uh, is, is obviously a sports car class that runs all around the world. Uh, and um, they're, they're trying to bring that in for its own class. They might not end up with enough cars to create their own championship, but with a, a combined grid of prototypes radicals lmp3 cars it's a uh, it's a bit of a wonderland of ex- exotic races 
I mean, they're incredible cars to drive. I, I have driven a Radical many times and they are a hell of a lot of fun. Um, but man, it, just so many categories to talk about today. And, and uh, but they all sort of, I suppose, do tick a different box, you know, something that there's a category for everyone, put it that way. And uh, in Australian motorsport, we certainly try and cover the whole landscape or whole interest of every driver that's uh, got a helmet. So, you know, I think it's a bit of a gentleman's class in many ways. I wouldn't see it as a stepping stone into bigger and better things, uh, but it certainly has its place in Australian motorsport. Well, there you have it. That is all of the national-based categories that operate uh, particularly under the Motorsport Australia banner. There's lots to choose from, as you'd said, Tony. There's, uh, uh, it's not a uh, one-size-fits-all when it comes to racing. Everyone's got their own uh, different flavors and different tastes and different things that they like. So for sure, if you don't like one category, there's a, uh, but you love your something motorsport, else for you. there's something else out there. And we see so many drivers, you know, pick and choose and jump between and, you know, look for, look for that thing that they really love. So there's, there's plenty, plenty out there. So look, that's our uh, little spotter's guide to what the uh, national racing categories look like for for 2021 and and beyond exciting that racing will come back full time in in 2021 fingers crossed all you security guards out there just uh, keep it to yourself please <laughs> we need you to look after look after uh, our country we've done an ex- extremely good job and um yeah really really looking forward to getting into it it's really not that long until we're going to be down in Tassie, Tony, for yourself for the first round of TCR Australia. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all very exciting. Uh, Christmas is going to come and go, and uh, in no time we'll be we'll be down in Simmons. Now, before we leave, uh, another great episode of the Parked Up Podcast, powered by Race Fuels. Uh, we, we've got some T-shirts to uh, to give away, and you might have seen on socials that we had a lot of people. Uh, trying to nab themselves one. So just hang on for another week. We'll announce the winners in uh, next week's uh, episode where uh, we've got a couple more episodes before we um, kick the tin for for 2020. And um, we'll give away a couple of these very stylish parked up t-shirts. Tony, I, I know you've seen one. Do you like I haven't got one. I haven't got one yet. I haven't I've seen give, it. I haven't handed them out to anyone yet. Oh, mate. I'm saving mate. it. I need one. I need one. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It'll, it'll be a nice bed shirt for you, I'm sure. Mate, I don't wear anything to bed. Jeez. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll save that for the uh, next episode. Tony's favorite bed attire. <laughs> All right. That's it. Parked up, powered by Race Fuels. Another episode done. And you'll hear from us next week. See you guys.